With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome. My thanks to uh, Josh Cease, who's running the board today, for filling in last week. I was three uh, steps close to death with the uh, with the flu, and so I, I didn't I even missed. get your card. It was it was brutal. It was See, not. Tony good. thought you were at the casino, Matt. That <laughs> no. was his theory. <laughs> no, that was not the case. I, so I much wish, faith we have in you. I wish I'd have been at the casino. But uh, thank you, Josh, for filling in. Appreciate it. The Buckeyes uh, respond this week with a one and one week. Now the loss to Michigan State Tuesday came the same day that it was learned that Jay Sean Tate had a torn labrum, needed surgery, and would be out for the year. By the way, Tate, they think have been playing with that injury for at least three weeks. But then yesterday, a much-needed win over a struggling team, but one that is still highly ranked in Iowa. OSU closed the game on a 12-2 run over the last four minutes, beat the Hawkeyes 68-64. Tony White joins us. He's in uh, Greenville, South Carolina on some business, but uh, joins us over the phone. And, Tony, considering the Jay Sean Tate news and the way things went on Tuesday against Michigan State, that was a pretty good moment for this team yesterday, wasn't it? Well, I would say even better and pretty good, Matt. I think, you know, that type of a win over a, on paper, top, top 10 team. And I, I want to underline and, and highlight and circle on paper. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, that that's a very good win for this Ohio State team. I thought it was a great win for this team. Without arguably their best player, certainly their most consistent player, and certainly their toughest player in Jay Sean Tate, uh, to go out there and, you know, with a new lineup, uh, you know, again, you got to get. We talk about all the time. Kids got to get used to playing in certain rotations and knowing what they're being asked to do. And when you lose Jayshon Tate, you got a whole new lineup, whole new rotation. And these kids had to go out there and kind of, you know, on the fly, figure out how they're going to play and, and how to play well in different situations. And they were able to do that against a, you know, on paper top ten team. I thought it was a great win. It kept them alive for the NCAA tournament. And it was a win they absolutely had to have, and they, and it was a win that they had to gut out. You know, for once, this team had to you know, had to dig down deep and actually come up with a win, as opposed to kind of collapsing at the end and I, against a good opponent. And I thought that, you know, that they did that, and maybe that's a maybe that's a positive sign for the future. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I you look at Ohio State yesterday, and that was kind of my takeaway as well, guys. Uh, just it was a blueprint for how to beat a quality team. Now, Iowa is scuttling a little bit. I felt like the Hawkeyes kept Ohio State in the game um, at times, a uh, little bit of sketchy shot selection, et cetera. But Ohio State won the game the way it would have to win. You know, we talk about can they make the NCAA tournament. Well, why would you want them to make it if they have no chance to beat a three or a four seed? Well, this is a three or a four seed in the NCAA tournament, maybe. And Ohio State actually did the things, not only down the stretch, but – through the course of the game, I mean, just uh, the last four minutes of each half, really, when you look at the first half, they they take a tie game and they get a five-point lead. Even after Mark Loving missed a one-and-one, one, they get a defensive stop. Loving comes up with a loose ball. He, he makes two free throws. I mean, that's just a small thing, but when you know you need every point you can get to pull something like this off, I thought Ohio State had a better sense of urgency 
They never let Iowa get a lead of more than three points in the first half. In the second half, you know, it did get to a six or so, but uh, Cam Williams hit some big shots, so they found a go-to player. Um, I felt like defensively really is is now the calling card. It should have been all along, and it kind of has been all along, but it, it came to fruition in this game, and they were able to to get quality stops and even block shots and steals and, and those types of defensive plays to go with clutch shots on the other end. And how fun was that arena yesterday yeah, to see Ohio nice State to react have, to that? Have some, have some life in there. That's Jeff Rapp, by the way, sportswrapup.com joining us. He's in studio. Tony White uh, joining us over the phone. Tony, the defensive play at the end uh, where Kata Bates-Diop, I mean, we talk about length that he has and that was on display there. It looked like uh, Gazelle had the clear path to the basket, and he comes from behind and blocks his shot. Had four block shots, and that's kind of the the attributes that you've talked about all along that this kid kind of has if he can ever put it all together. But that was a big-time play at the end of the game to to save the win. Matt, as good as, uh, as Kata Bates-Diop was on offense, I mean, you have 19 points going 8 of 11 against a good Iowa defensive team with size. Um I thought that um, as good as he was offensively, he was even better defensively. I, I really, I was really impressed by the overall game that Kade Bates Diop put together. When you watched him on the defensive end, he drew the primary responsibility on Utah, and Utah is a tough player. I mean, that's a, he's a tough kid to check. Um, you know, he has a lot of offensive skills, a lot of length on him on his own. Um, he's not super quick, but he's not slow. Uh, he's just one, a basketball player with great size and length and the ability to score from the perimeter and, and in the post. And uh, I thought that uh, Kata Bates-Diop, for the most part, did an excellent job against that kid. I mean, he played the, Utah played 34 minutes, went 5 of 14 from the field. You know, that is a great effort uh, by Kata Bates-Diop. And I think he was uniquely in a position to play well against Utah because of Kata's size and because of his arm length and his athleticism. It's hard to, with all that size, uh, height, and all the, those arm lengths and all that quickness in his own athletic ability, it's really hard to shake Kata Bates-Diop. Yeah, it's hard to get around him cleanly to the point where he can't really affect your shot. And I think he did a very good job against Utah in staying, in staying with him without fouling him and always being an, a factor in Utah's shot. And that was, you know, that was just as much a, a part of why Ohio State won that game as was his 19 points and six rebounds and four blocks. Yeah, and the play at the end, too, with the block of Gazelle. Yeah, that was... yeah from behind. I mean, that was, that was a great block from behind. You know, it, you know, it was hard for Gazelle to get around. Again, you, you get around Kata Bates up, you think you're in the clear, but the guy's arms are like fire hoses. They're so long. <laughs> you know, you, you're, not, you're, not really, you're not really clear. Yeah. You feel clear. You don't feel his presence because you've actually gotten away from his body. And when you go up for a shot, you don't realize that he's still there until, you know, he's six feet behind you and his arm blocks your shot. And that's, that's one of those skills that makes him a great offensive player, but makes him, has the potential to be a great defensive player and also what makes him potential to have to be an NBA basketball player. Yeah, I was going to say his arm length is fun to watch offensively too. When guys get him, they think shoved up right under the basket or kind of in an awkward spot on the floor, and he just looks like he goes stretch Armstrong and goes six more inches with his arm and just flips the ball. He had a crazy, he had a crazy layup yeah, yesterday. Like, yeah, I couldn't got, even describe. Yeah, uh, you know, with his right hand stuck out, he just kind of spun it up there. Um, 
he is he's a headache, you know, on both ends of the court. And I think he can be one of the best defenders in the Big Ten very soon. I think he's getting there right now. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the other guy I've got a prop, oh, even yeah. defensively, is Mark Loving. Yep. I mean, Peter Jock hits big shots for that team. And when uh, right after, I think, Cam Williams is three or maybe before, um, I'm trying to remember the sequence here, but uh, they went to Jock out of a timeout. He he ran off a bunch of screens. Mark had to chase him all the way across the floor, and he stayed with him and got in his face and did just enough to make him miss, and that's not easy to do either. Yeah, let me give a shout-out to Mark Loving, uh, Tony, because he's obviously taken a lot of grief this year, and you know from doing this show and Jeff, too, uh, that probably more than anyone, he has gotten as much criticism as anybody throughout the course of the year from from fans, and we've talked about him. But I look back, not only yesterday, but his last four games, because remember he had a, a really nice game against Michigan, a mm-hmm. uh, well-rounded game, and, kind of, and going back to that game, he's been really good. He's averaged 18 points, five and a half rebounds. He's been getting to the free throw line. He's 28 for 35 from the line the last four games. That's 80%. 45% from three-point range, 48% shooting. So in fairness to Mark, who's been without question taking a lot of shots this year, Tony, he's played pretty well. Do you like what you're seeing from him here over the last couple of weeks? Well, let me say, okay, first, the criticism he's gotten, he's deserved, richly deserved in many different situations. I think that um, uh, the game against Michigan was definitely an uptick. I thought it was one of his better games of the year. Uh, overall, Nebraska, I thought he played well overall, Nebraska. However, in the first half, he was horrible. Um, second half, he was very good. Uh, that averaged out to playing well. Um, so we saw a little bit of the Mark Loving that makes you want to bang your head against the wall in that he plays awful and he plays very well. Um, I thought against Iowa that that was easily his best overall game of the year. And it wasn't just because, you know, he hits 25 points. I mean, those those were huge points. That was an upperclassman stepping up on the offensive end and making shots that this team desperately needed him to make at a time that they needed to make. So the, the, that was huge. But I, I agree with Jeff. I thought that Mark Loving worked his tail off harder on the defensive end than I've ever seen him do all year. I mean, he was chasing Jock all over the place, and there was a couple letdowns. He had a few letdowns, um, you know, but they weren't you know, huge. And when he did have a letdown or two, it, it, you could see him try you know, to kind of revert back to that, oh, let me feel sorry for myself now because something bad just happened. But he kind of snapped out of it and said, no, no, stop, stop. i got bigger things to do. And it was that kind of... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Change, I think, that allowed him to continue to be in that game the entire game offensively and defensively. And I think if you put this game on tape and you watched it, you'd walk away saying Mark Loving played the best game he's played his entire year, uh, junior year at Ohio State, and that was it. Yeah, and and you look at uh, Iowa came in with two all-Big Ten players in, in Jock and Utah, and they really got outplayed by Loving and Kata Bates-Diop yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, those guys not, are not through the course of the year, but, but for, for yesterday's game, if you knew nothing about these teams and you watched them, 
the two better guys were uh, were loving in Kata Bates D up yesterday. And what Tony just said is it cannot be understated. It was huge that they did that because I was talking with a colleague, Steve Hellwag, in front of the program before the game, and I said, with no Jay Sean Tate, two of these three guys have to play really, really well. And I said KBD, Loving, and Jaquan Lyle. And what's funny about that is Jaquan Lyle did not play well at all. You he had, did make some plays late did, in the game, even though he didn't yeah, score. He did. But and I totally agree No, with and that. I was just going to say that's what's weird about this team. You add in what A.J. Harris did, 0 for 3 to Lyle's 0 for 6. Your point guards are 0 for 9, and yet you, you beat a top 10 team because those guys are, you know, seven, uh, seven and four assist to turnover and, and kind of hung with it. And Lyle made some very big plays passing wise uh, at the end of the game. Now, I don't know where his head was when the on shot, the shot clock running down. Yeah. Uh, wow. We probably should have probed Mata a little bit more on that. I'd like to dig uh, a little deeper on that. What, what happened there if he was reminded, you know, of the shot clock there. But, um, you know, obviously guys are still learning, even in the 30th game of the year, still learning on the job, but if you get two high-quality performances out of three of those guys, apparently that might be good enough to win some of these games, at least it was yesterday. What did you make of uh, Lyle's play yesterday, uh, Tony? Um, uh, well, uh, to be honest, I probably only saw about 70% of it because the other 30% of the time I was hiding my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was that bad. I, I just I, the the play Jeff's talking about. And if you didn't see the game, they came out of a time. They had to call a couple of timeouts. Iowa was pressuring. It was late in the game, and there was like eight seconds on the shot clock. They had just called a timeout and talked about what to do, and he was so laissez faire bringing the ball up the floor, and then just had to heave it like. Tony, I don't know how you lose track of the shot clock in that situation, but it it looked like he did. He, he did. He clearly did. And, and and I'll tell you, Matt. I mean, that I uh, if I had been high up and watching that game from the skybox press box, I might have just jumped out of the press box just to kill myself because it was just <laughs> it was one of those situations where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I just saw that and I can't take this anymore. Um, it, it was. I mean, he was he was out of it. I mean, it was just for the most part, he made some good individual plays, but for the most part, mentally, he was out of that game. And that's an example of it. He just lack of understanding of what's going on around you, um, a low basketball IQ that seems higher because of his unbelievable ability to make individual plays. I mean, the kid makes great individual plays, either you know, uh, occasionally with the ball making shots, but more often making great passes. I mean, a kid can really pass the ball, and so when you when you make a great pass to someone. Everybody kind of goes, wow, boy, you know, great court vision, great way of kind of understanding where the guy was who's open, and boy, kid really understands the game. No, he's just a great passer. And so I think we all we have an artificial view of his basketball IQ. I think his basketball IQ is is low. He's not a dumb kid. It's just that he doesn't understand the game yet as a freshman. And his basketball IQ is low. It seems higher because he makes great individual plays, but in reality it's low. And then when you put him at the point guard, all that is magnified, and I think it explains a lot about why this Ohio State team has struggled all year. We're a, a week away from the Big Ten awards time. Is there a Buckeye sneaking up on potentially stealing one? 
More on that in four minutes. This is Basketball at Bucks Line. Tony White, Jeff Rapp with me. Back after this, it's a service of TNT Equipment on 610 WTVN. Back on Basketball at Bucks Line, 610 WTVN basketball analyst, former Buckeye captain Tony White joining us over the phone. He's on some business in Greenville, South Carolina. But in studio, we have uh, SportsWrapUp.com's Jeff Rapp. We continue talking with you. Got some very good uh, Twitter reaction to the game yesterday. A couple of tweets coming in. Some people want to ask Tony about officiating, so uh, we'll get to that after the bottom of the hour. I was teasing, though, the Big Ten Awards coming up next week, and I don't know that there's any uh, first, second, or third team all Big Ten players on Ohio State's roster. we got to look at it. We'll find out uh, down the road. But Tony, it was pointed out this week, sixth man of the year, they have that in the Big Ten. Do you know who's leading the Big Ten in bench scoring? Cam Williams, who came up rather large yesterday after – as uh, Thad Mata put it in the post game, was not playing very well. He challenged him, and over the last eight minutes, scored all eleven of his points. Seven in the last four minutes, and probably hit the two biggest shots of the game. They disputed two slash three to give Ohio State the lead, and then the three on the next possession that kind of gave Ohio State control there in the last couple of minutes. What do you make of what we've seen out of Cam Williams this year for Ohio State? Well, I mean, he's a kid. He's a young kid, and this is his first playing time. And young kids, it take a little while to ease into it. I think uh, Grandstaff's transfer was the greatest thing that's ever happened to Cam Williams because he's clearly a kid who the competition for playing time. He doesn't react well to that. And I had teammates like that, where you know, if if you if you made the compete every day in practice for playing time, they were just too nervous. Uh, when they got, they just couldn't get it done. They were just locked up because they wanted it so bad. But when you told them, look, you're going to play every game, and here's a situation you're going to play in, and it's not, it's not going to, it's not game to game, depending on how well you practice. It's this amount of time, every single game going forward. You're important to us. They just calm down. They go, okay, let me rely on my talent some more. And I think, I think that Cam Williams is that type of a kid. He. Once Grandstaff left and he stopped having to fight the guy who was essentially the same kid, you know, the same three-point shooter scorer off the bench that the Grandstaff was, he came Williams said, okay, this is my spot now, and I can go out there and play the way I think I can play. And I think he's been inconsistent, but young kids all are typically. Um, he's, he's made shots for this team when they desperately needed it. You know, think back to the Northwestern game on the road. He won that game for him. Absolutely. Uh, with, his, with his performance. Um, I think that you know we've talked about this team and what they need, and gosh, the list is like four pages long. But <laughs> towards the top of that list has always been the last five minutes, somebody stepping up and saying, okay, give me the ball, I'll make the shot, and everybody relying on that. For Ohio State against Iowa, that was Cam Williams, not and when you look at and, and frankly when you look at both those teams, the the entire game was like two punch drunk fighters throwing blows at each other, hoping one's going to land. And you're going, which one of these guys is going to be remain standing at the end of the be, at the end of the round? And in the end, you kind of figured out, okay, it's whichever team has a player that steps up and makes plays down the stretch, that's going to be the team that that wins. And it wasn't Iowa, it wasn't Utah, it wasn't Jock, who are guys who are going to be probably first or second or third team all Big Ten. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, Katie Bates-Diop, and it wasn't Mark Loving. It was Cam Williams who stepped up and made the shots that, that separated Ohio State from Iowa. And that is as big of a, of a positive as you can say about Cam Williams. By the way, sixth man of the year, no way. I mean, it, yeah, he played well against Iowa. He should not be sixth man of the year. Yeah, I got to look at it and figure out who else is coming yeah. off the bench. But he is leading the Big Ten in bench scoring, but uh, which is a positive thing, and he has come a long way. 
And Jeff, that mentality that he had down the stretch, and uh, I asked Coach Mott about it. Do you, yeah. Do you need a guy like that that is willing to put himself on the line and take a shot? And he go and Thad started his answer by saying, "I'm screaming for it." And yeah, he said, "I absolutely. was telling, I was telling Cam, you can get shots, you can make shots here." And uh, and he certainly did down the stretch. Uh, yeah, I wrote about that today, especially with no Jay Sean Tate. This team, even more than before, needs an alpha male. You'll take it in any form you can get it. Uh, you'd like it, the guy, the alpha male, to be 6'9", 270. But if he's 6'2", 180 and hits big shots, so be it. And that's what Cam's doing right now. That's what he's capable of. That is his mindset. He was 0 for 3 in the first half, but you knew it was not going to affect him. Uh, and especially with the crowd the way it was, it seems like he's one of those guys who feeds off of that a little bit as well. I think that helped uh, kind of a young Ohio State team yesterday. But, you know, they're going to be at the Big Ten tournament in Indy, and if they're in this situation again, in a game like this again, I think that's the guy that you want coming off the curl, catching the ball and getting a look at something. He's not afraid to shoot it. Uh, You know, when they went up one and got the stop, uh, I I said to the person next to me, like, you need to shoot, you need to go for a three right here. Get this thing to two possessions right now. And, of course, I meant meaning Cam Williams shoot. He shoots from the corner, nails it with a guy running out on him. Uh, His percentage is great. Uh, There's not a lot of other things statistically that blow you away about him. He doesn't get a lot of steals, doesn't get to the free throw line hardly at all. Uh, he doesn't grab that many rebounds, but there's you can't stat what Tony was just talking about is just the mental toughness to take big shots, especially with some range on them. You know, watch Buddy Heald for Oklahoma. I'm not comparing him to him, by right. the way, but he's an All-American. But, I mean, the nerve. Did you just... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fire that thing from out there, knowing that it's great if it goes in and it's not great at all if it doesn't. He doesn't care. Yeah. And you got to have those guys. Yeah, and Tony, uh, one of the things Coach Mata said that he thought was positive, obviously, besides the results of what Cam Williams was doing, but he said we've we've had guys this year that have been having bad games that you can't bring them back. And he said he thought like Cam fought through it, like he because he was old for his first five, and then went five for six in the last eight minutes of the game when it was the most important minute. So. You're looking for baby steps and positives of guys maturing a little bit. Maybe that was a sign yesterday of this kid maturing a little bit. Well, I mean, first of all, Cam Williams is not a guy you have to worry about uh, about willing to take shots. I mean, there have been in games there have been games where he is clearly off and he is taking shots, and I'm just going, "What are you doing? I mean, you haven't made a shot all night. Right? What are you doing taking that shot? I mean, this has never been a kid so far in his young Ohio State career." that I've been worried about having the confidence to take shots. It's all been about whether he's actually going to make it. Uh, and, but, you know, hey, I agree with that, that, you know, that mentality is an important one on this team because there aren't a lot of guys with that, hey, uh, yeah, I've missed seven straight shots, but I know I'm going to make the next seven, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can't wait to shoot again. And that type of cockiness is something that good teams have whether it's rational or irrational, they have it. 
And this team needs more of that than less of that. I mean, sometimes you get across the line, you get too many kids out there gunning away. But this is a team that needs more of that mentality. And so that's why I think the more Cam Williams plays, uh, the more that mentality maybe seeps down to other players like Kakeda Bates-Diop, who, you know, sometimes if he misses a few shots, I mean, he turns invisible out there. And he just wants to stand in the corner and feel sorry about the fact that for his teammates and to himself about the fact that he can't shoot that night. Cam Williams, exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, well, plenty of social media reaction after yesterday's Buckeye win. Also, the Michigan State game going back a few days. And some of it has to do with the guys that were wearing the stripes yesterday. We'll get into that and more coming up. Basketball Bucks line continues. Tony White, Jeff Rapp with me, Matt McCoy. Uh, it's a service of TNT equipment. It's on News Radio 610 WTBN. And we are back. Last half hour of Basketball Bucks Line. We've had great action on Twitter throughout the course of the year. I'm at, at Matt McCoy WTVN if you want to follow and uh, send us some notes. We've got a couple that have come in tonight and uh, a couple of emails. You can also email me at BucksLine at WTVN.com and we get to a lot of those comments as well. Tony White joining me, also uh, Jeff Rapp. And uh, Tony, this is from Josh who wanted your opinion about the officials yesterday. Uh, Josh writes, I've tried to refrain from bashing the officials, but I was at the game and they lost all control. The delay at the monitor on the Cam Williams shot was way too long. I still don't understand how it was overturned. The Iowa coach was on the floor repeatedly. There was a terrible call on Lyle for a charge when Gazelle flopped and got away with it. I give the Buckeyes credit for playing through what I thought were numerous blown calls that went against them. What was your impression of the refs yesterday? And he actually wrote that to you. So what were your impressions of the uh, refs yesterday, Tony? Well, I agree with him. I thought the the officiating was awful. Um, I'm not so much worried about Fran McCaffrey prancing around on the court like he does. I mean, he does that every game, every officiating crew. Um, But it was really uh, the delay in, in that monitor review. I mean, that was way too long. I mean, way too long. If you can't figure it out by then, I mean, what are you looking at? Um, and you know, it's. I know Thad was arguing this point. It really looked like one of those officials called that a three. I, I can tell it. you, everybody, and I sit at the scores table for those that don't know, and everybody there, Tony, told because I said three, and I said yes, and they and they told me that the far official on the other side signaled three, so I called three. They put three on the board, and that's where the confusion was because the officials were saying, Tony, that well, no one called anything. We wanted to look at the. At the Wrong. monitor, Thad's guy, no way no one called anything. That guy called a three. Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. And, and so uh, they went to that monitor, and, they, and he wanted to, to kind of pull back from that. And if, to take, you know, if it's going to take that long, go with the original call and let's get it on. Plus, Ohio State was making a run at that point. The crowd was getting into it. And for them to stall, to stall that game out for, what, five, six, seven, eight minutes while we're sitting around looking at the monitor, it was just ridiculous. And I think that... You know, I know that the NCAA has really stepped up pressure on the officials to call the games tighter, especially perimeters, perimeter fouls with body contact, that type of stuff. But I just thought that the officials, you know, went, went over that line and were really injecting themselves too much into the game. I agree that charging call was absolutely awful. Um, and I think that was an example of them just being too much into the game and allowing themselves to dictate not only pace but direction of the game uh, from their own from their own vantage point. How difficult is it, Tony? And, and Jeff, you can comment on this too. When to play through that? I mean, the, the, this uh, right. Josh makes the point that he felt like Ohio State had to play through it. But can you? 
and you've dealt with it before, do you feel yourself get frustrated? Is it difficult to play through it? Or as a basketball player, do you just block it out and you just go on? Well, at the moment of time that that, that delay happened, um, you know, I think it was most difficult on Ohio State mentally because they were on a run and the crowd was into it and they were feeling good and jumping and banging, you know, banging around going, yes, we're, 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 we're pushing this game. We're going to win this thing. And the delay was a lot better for Iowa because they needed to regroup. Um, I thought it would it, mentally, as I'm sitting there watching this go on and on and on, I'm thinking this is not going to be easy for Ohio State to come out and to mentally come back to the same level they were at before this long delay. I'll tell you what. The crowd really did a big, a great job on that because, as a player, with the crowd going like that, as you know, throughout that entire delay, the crowd was up and you know, and cheering and clapping and yelling. That, as a player, makes it a lot easier for you to keep that feeling of momentum, to keep that excitement about you, to get back out there and to kind of pick up where you left off. So, I think Ohio State fans deserve a lot of credit for Ohio State coming out of that delay and still having momentum. Well, the uh, the three refs for the game were Pat Driscoll, who's been around a while. Uh, you know some of these guys, Matt. Terry Oglesby, I don't know much about him. And Bill Eck, I believe, is a young guy they're trying to break in. That's kind of strange. Usually those CBS games, when your conference is on display, it's the marquee guys. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, we didn't get that yesterday. And I know people got sick of seeing Ed Hightower and guys like that. But at least you knew you were going to get those guys when Tony played and and in the years after that, and, and now I don't even know who a lot of these guys are. I felt like they called it too tightly. It took away from the game. I'm definitely a see-the-foul, call-the-foul guy. I don't believe in swallowing the whistle necessarily, but it's just felt like there were a lot of unnecessary calls yesterday. And, you look, you know, we're sitting here saying how we thought Ohio State played well defensively. They were whistled for 20 fouls. You look at the box score, and you think they were hacking everybody, and it really didn't feel that way. And I don't know how the hell you foul a guy out on a double foul where nobody even saw what happened. Yeah. I, I, what was yeah. your viewpoint of that, the Trevor Thompson? That was – I mean, that with uh, Woodbury or – It was uh, him and Woodbury, and it was and, a fifth foul on Trevor Thompson way, with a Woodbury minute Woodbury is, is borderline dirty, so he must have got under Trevor's skin, which apparently isn't too hard to do. But I'm not a big fan, and I don't know how you feel, Tony. And, and in this case, I did not see that play, but I've never been a big fan of the double foul stuff. I agree with you. I didn't see Just the play warn Nobody saw the play. I mean, you have to go back and try and see it on film somewhere. Nobody saw the play. I'm definitely not a fan of the double foul unless there's something egregious going on, and especially when a kid's got four fouls. And by the way, those officials know who has four fouls. They absolutely know that. They know that Trevor Thompson has four fouls when he called that double foul. He should, unless it was something egregious, he should have blown his whistle, got the two together, and said, if this happens again, I'm calling a double foul. That's what good officials do. Ted Valentine did that to me all the time. And that's what these guys should have done. And the fact that you go straight to a double foul late in the game to foul the starting center out for one team, that's called bad officiating. All right. Uh, back to Twitter. This is from at Buck Berry. Can Mickey Mitchell shoot? Seriously, I haven't seen him take a shot outside of three feet all year. Uh, I will say this. The kid scored six points and did a pretty solid job yesterday. Uh, Tuesday in that first start when Jay Sean Tate was out. I mean, you know, he's in a tough position having to come in. Uh, in that situation, that was not good. It, it was, was it was not a particularly good game. I, I felt but. like it was baby steps yesterday, though. I mean, three for three, six points, seven rebounds. He did have four fouls, but we just talked about how t- tightly the game was called. A couple of assists. Uh, 
you should take that right now for Mickey Mitchell. Uh, I, as far as can he shoot, I've seen just a teeny bit of practice, and I can tell you he can. He was even shooting threes in that public scrimmage they had way back, which seems like eight years ago now in the in the fall. I think he's taken maybe one free throw line jumper that comes to mind on the road that uh, wasn't very close. But uh, right now he doesn't seem to have any confidence in that. But if he could add that element to his game, I wouldn't even try to do that now, but down the line – uh, with with the passing and the hustle plays and stuff, he could be an effective player for them. What do you think, Tony? Well, um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Jeff in that. Uh, <laughs> not a Mick. No, well, first of all, Lord knows, everybody's listening to this show knows that I am not Mickey Mitchell's, uh, the organizer of his uh, fan club. Um, you know, I thought that his he played his best game as a Buckeye against Iowa, and I thought that um, his – he he made he changed the game a little bit in a, in a couple different instances um, with his ability to handle the basketball and we, one time when he got a rebound and he just took it up the court himself and pressed the ball up the court and Ohio State got an easy two points out of it that was all because of Mickey Mitchell and his ability to handle the ball and his and his quickness and his athletic ability to get up and down the court quickly with the ball um, I think he he has great passing ability when he's not being stupid. Now, the problem is about 70% of the time he's being stupid with the basketball and he's trying to make a pass. And it's like he's going for, he thinks you get extra points for a degree of difficulty on your passes if it leads to points. You're not. They're all worth two points. So let's just calm down and make the easy pass. But I think he, he played very well against Iowa. I think he was, a, he was a part of why Ohio State won that game. Uh, I think especially in his first half performance, six points, three rebounds at half, that's pretty good. Um, I, I will say this about his ability to shoot. Um, I, he, he can't shoot because he hasn't shot. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. As a former player, it doesn't matter to me what you can do in practice. What matters to me is when in the 40 minutes when the lights are on, can you shoot and can you make shots? And Mickey Mitchell, to me, I, I've seen players like this before. I've played with players like this before. While he may be able to shoot great in practice, when the lights come on for right now in his career, he's locked up. He's on vapor lock when, he's, when he has to shoot the ball. You can tell how nervous he is. The, he's like, how fast can I get this ball out of my hands quickly? Because I don't want to get it blocked. He doesn't have yet the confidence to take his time and make the shot and do what he can do. Maybe down the road he will be, but right now he cannot shoot the ball because he mentally does not have the confidence to be able to give himself the time to do it. Uh, This is from David on Twitter, D. Will. Uh, Three-point defense was horrible versus Michigan State, but I thought very good against Iowa. Was Ohio State better, or is Sparty just that good? Tony, I'll start with you. Both. I mean, (laughs) Michigan State, first of all. I mean, Iowa, let's let's kind of dispel the, the idea that Iowa is a top 10 team akin to Michigan State. They are not. They beat them twice, though. Uh, they I get beat it. them twice. I get it. When's the first time? When the first time they beat them with the, with the first time they beat them without Valentine. The second time they beat them with Valentine at Michigan State, but it was back in mid-January when Iowa was playing really well. They are clearly not right now. And it was right after Valentine came back. Correct. So, you know, when it's not like you just – basketball is a sport that requires chemistry. It's not like you just stick a great player back in everybody goes plays the way they did before. Because remember, everybody was playing in different roles and different minutes and different uh, questions and things they had to do without Valentine in the game. So you put him back in the game, it takes a while to every, for every, all these college kids to get back in their swim lanes and say, okay, now i got to do this instead of all this. And it just takes a while for everything to settle down. So Iowa beat Michigan State twice in situations where it's not really Michigan State. They play right now. Michigan State takes them apart right now. 
Um, I, you know, for me, this is not this is not a top ten Iowa team. This is frankly a, a mid twenties Iowa team. They've they've lost four out of their last five. They're one and four in their last five. And they've lost to esteemed teams like Penn State, and I know Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is a bubble team. Um, you know, Ohio State is Ohio State. They're not even on the bubble really yet. That that's three of those losses. They lost Indiana and they eked Minnesota. I mean, those are not. That's not the performance of a top ten team. So you know, I, I get it that they're up there, but it, this is Michigan. This Michigan State team is head and shoulders better than Iowa. I I got to say this: uh, watching Michigan State in person Tuesday. That was one. That was a clinic on catch and shoot basketball, playing through the screens. Michigan State actually sets really good picks. I mean, we're sitting here praising Ohio State because we see a young team that may have maybe turned a corner uh, Sunday, but they still don't do a lot of things even remotely well, let alone as well as Michigan State does. And you watch Sparty, uh, you know, they just, they just do so many impressive things. And Forbes. The way he can control his body, the quickness he has to get right to where he wants to go and to be able to turn and be squared up and still have that life in his legs and and uh, and rise up nice and clean like he does and shoot. I mean, I, if he does that again Saturday, Ohio State has no chance. Uh, now, basketball is a funny game, and I love that you get to play teams home and away. Uh, you know, Ohio State's effort fighting through some of those picks and stuff, as we mentioned, was better. If they can continue that and really realize the challenge they're facing Saturday, and Michigan State for some reason just is flat, which would be weird to see on Senior Day at the Breslin Center. But right. we've seen Ohio State teams go to East Lansing and play Michigan State teams for whatever reason that weren't shooting great. And I think the Buckeyes do match up decently well with them if they're really, really attuned to what they're doing. But if they think they can just play the way they did against Iowa and win their uh, they, they, it's going to be ugly. And I'm with Tony. I think Michigan State is two notches at least ahead of Iowa right now. Yeah, the Iowa game, they still had the ugly problem of turnovers. They had 15 of them. The one yeah. thing they did do well the last, I think, 12 minutes, they didn't have any. I mean, they had 15 with 12 minutes left in the game and uh, and eliminated those down the stretch. So, yes, it was a good win, but, Tony, it wasn't always perfect yesterday at all. It wasn't, and the turnovers were a big problem. 11 in the first half. And a lot of them were just were you know, just head scratchers. Were obviously just throwing the ball around on on the half court situation, not full court, half court. Just throwing the ball the wrong spots and getting the ball stolen because they weren't thinking and thinking two steps ahead of where where they were at that moment in time. And those are the types of things. Hey, look, you can get away with that against a an Iowa team that's taken the gas pipe over the last five games uh, at home. Uh, but you go to Michigan State and you play like that. I mean, you're going to get yourself your your fourth or fifth thirty plus point loss. Uh, by the way, Tony and Jeff, I want to get to, before we hit the break, this uh, last one, this is from Danny. Uh, big win, talking about yesterday. I think the Buckeyes are two wins away from the tournament. MSU plus one in the Big Ten tournament or just two in the Big Ten tournament. Do you guys agree? I'll go first on that. Uh, if you win at Michigan State, you've got 20 wins, 12 in the conference. You can point to a win over Kentucky it's still a shaky resume in in some regards in the way these things are measured with RPI top 100 and all that. But to me, there's no way that Ohio State team, even without Jay Sean Tate, doesn't make the term. They go to East Lansing and win the game by one point. It's win and you're in, in my opinion. I think Thad should be selling that to his team. Now, wins in the tournament are not valued the same 
as they are in the regular season. And as we've gotten into before, all three of us, at, at the postseason time of the year, it, we every year we're amazed at how much seems to already be figured out by the NCAA tournament committee. You better do something really wonderful, like win your tournament or get all the way to the finals or or beat a great team in the tournament. Even then, you you might need something else. So what I'm getting at is I would be upselling win it Sparty. And granted, that's, got, a, that's a tall task, that's a but tall I agree with order. you. But to me, if you that would win be that the game, easiest path. they're not going to deny you. That would it, be the easiest path. I agree. What that's you, my opinion anyway. What do you think, Tony? I think a win at Michigan State and Ohio State is probably, not guaranteed, but probably in the first four, playing in Dayton. Um, and that they could improve on that uh, with at least one win in the Big Ten tournament. I think that if you go to Michigan State, you win that game, and you throw up all over yourself and lose your first-round game in the Big Ten tournament, you're right back to being on the verge of being out. Um, and I think it's a 50-50 proposition at that point. And if you're in, you're probably playing playing to play in in Dayton on Tuesday or Wednesday. I think if and by the way, they're probably not going to beat Michigan State. So that means going in the Big Ten tournament. I think this Ohio State team absolutely has to win in the Big Ten tournament and probably has to win two games to get across the 50% line to get in the NCAA tournament. I think no matter what happens, I think you're going to see this team in Dayton. If if they do get in, it's going to be in Dayton playing in the first four to play into the tournament. All right, one game this week, and to say it's a major challenge is probably an insult to major challenges. We'll talk about it coming up. Tony's TNT equipment keys to the game uh, after this on 610 WT. Final segment of Basketball Box Line, and in fact, Tony, we talked so long last segment that uh, you only have a minute, so I'm putting you on the clock here. Your keys to the week in order to beat Michigan State, what would they be? Well, again, for this team, everything they have to do is so long of a list that it's hard to have. You know, the keys are 55 keys long. Uh, but I'm going to say I'm going to boil it down to one thing. It's Jaquan Lyle. You know, I think uh, Jeff said it earlier, and I agree with this, that this team cannot play against Iowa the way they played, and even though it came out for the win, even though Iowa's a top-10 team, and expect to beat Michigan State on the road on senior night. They have to play better. Now, can I reasonably expect Mark Loving and Kata Bates to to play better? No. I think, I think if, you give them, if they give that effort, they were gonna, that's about as good as they can play. Jaquan Lyle was awful. And I think that he has got to step up and play a great game. Offensively and defensively, the kid has to show up and he's got to play. If he does, Ohio State has a chance. If he doesn't, they don't have enough firepower to win, they're going to lose. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. That is Tony White. Uh, Jeff Rapp, thanks for joining us. Yep. Appreciate it. Josh running the board. Appreciate all the comments. Uh, we'll talk next week on Basketball Box Line on 610 WTVN. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.